And I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence, silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up, everybody? This is your girl Shanti Das, the host of the Silence the Shame podcast, and I'm in the studio with my amazing co-host, Free hey. Division. What's up, Shanti? How you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you? We're rolling, Free. We are rolling. We are excited that our listeners will learn that every other Monday, mm-hmm. you will get some Silence the Shame, Silence shame mm-hmm. podcast. So we wanted to make sure that we could be consistent in 2019 and that we um, are very focused on getting uh, good information out mm-hmm. to the community. As Keeping it relates, the conversation that's going. Right. As it relates to emotional health and wellness and so many other things, right, and topics, if you will, um, that we can discuss this year that will lead to good emotional health and wellness. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to be here. This is whew, episode 20. 20. Oh, I can't believe it. We've come a very long we way. We've come a very long way. And I'm very grateful that you're on board with us. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I was doing it, you know, f- about five or six without you and then mm-hmm. god sent you into my life so mm-hmm. it's a good thing we're grateful to have you couldn't do this without you thank you very so, much thank you thank you so i'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have today because it's about work that we're actually doing in the community mm-hmm. um, with one of our partner organizations um today we're going to talk about faith and behavioral health or you might call it interfaith and behavioral health, whatever. It's about everybody, right? We're not leaving anybody out of this conversation. Uh, we have partnered with this wonderful organization to put together um, a strong movement um, of workshops and trainings. And so we're just grateful to shine a light on the work that we're doing. So in the studio today, we have Dr. April Umstead, which you guys know Dr. April. She's <laughs> our, <just> resident. our <laughs> resident, licensed <laughs> clinical professional. But today you're going to put on another hat and we'll let you tell your title. Um, t- t- tell them what else you do, April. So I am also the director of learning programs for the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities Office of HR and Learning. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So y'all welcome April back to the show. Big title. Yes, 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 yes. Also, to my left, we have a young man who is honored to do business with, but even more honored. To, I think I can call you friend now. So uh, just definitely. just an overall wonderful human being and, and excited to be working with you. We have Mr. Tony Sanchez from <laughs> the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. Woo-hoo-hoo! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Tony, share your title and let the good people know what you do over at the department. Um, so again, my name is Tony Sanchez, and I am the director for the Office of Recovery Transformation at the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities. My main task or priority is to help our state, to help our system become more recovery-oriented in everything that we do, that the way that we talk about recovery, the way that we deliver services, the way that we we write up our contracts and our policies, the language that we use, that it's recovery-focused and it's person-centered, holistic in its approach. Thank you so much. And I also have to shout out our other team member, Tamaria Babs, who's in the back, who works what for up, the Tamaria? Department of Behavioral Health as well. Give it up for Tamaria. Tamaria. <laughs> and on the phone, I am elated and honored to have um, such a powerful person on the line who participated in our recent workshop that we did in Savannah, Georgia, mm. around this very topic. I'm honored to welcome to the show Pastor Andrew J. Young II from the Mosaic Church in Savannah. Welcome, Pastor welcome. Young. 
thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So let's let's get right into it. Um, you know, we all know behavioral health is still very taboo in our community, but so many people are opening up these days and sharing. And more importantly, faith and community leaders are essential in these conversations as they are often the first place that individuals and families reach out to, you know, when they experience challenges, behavioral health issues and or traumatic events. I certainly reached out to my pastor when I was experiencing deep depression and he encouraged me to pray and and I put and in all caps, seek help from a licensed mental health professional. And that's why I'm so excited about the work that we're doing. You know, I wanted to take the time to dedicate this episode to our initiative with the Department of Behavioral Health and Developmental Disabilities, better known as DBHDD. And so that's that's why we're here today to really, really get into why this work matters why this initiative is important and hopefully you know we can set the tone in the state of Georgia and other states will follow suit so I'd like to open with uh, Dr. Umstead and Tony tell us how this initiative came about you know who's the target audience and why it's such important work for the department Um, well I know for the learning uh, portion the way that it came about is you know Tony had a vision about you know how he wanted to kind of partner with the faith-based community to increase capacity in the community you know because you know, DBHE, the government, we can't do everything by ourselves. We, we have to partner with um, the faith-based community and the community at large. And so part of what my job is is to help develop or define what a learning program would look like in the community and to make sure that it starts off in a way that, you know, kind of stirs um, kind of a buzz and then kind of grows from there. So kind of working with Tony just to partner to build something around the vision that he had. And, and that's really where, where my role came in. But Tony ultimately is the visionary behind um, the faith-based capacity movement that's happening currently right now in the community. Tony? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so one of the things that, that, I, that I truly believe is that um, recovery can be initiated in artificial environments, but it's maintained and sustained in communities. Mm-hmm. Um, let me back it up a little bit, you know, I mean, it, uh, um, to, you know, some self-disclosure, right? So I'm a person in long-term recovery, mm-hmm. and what that means to me is that it's been over 17 and a half years since I've had a drink or a drug, right? And because of my recovery, I've, I haven't been to prison. I haven't in, in over 17 years. I, I um, haven't been homeless in over 17 years. I haven't had suicidal thoughts in over 17 years. I've been off probation in, in, mm-hmm. in, in over 15 years. You know, I'm gainfully employed. I'm mm-hmm. I'm a homeowner today. I'm a business owner. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a... Yeah. You know, yes. My recovery yes. is amazing, right? But one of the things, so so what I believe and what um, mm-hmm. is that recovery is not like you know the, the absence of symptoms. It's really recovery is about connections, mm-hmm. right? And wherever you connect to, that should be available. We should create safe places so that people can connect to their communities, to wellness, to their places of faith, mm-hmm. you know. And so you know that's what this is about. This is about creating more opportunities so that when people come home from prisons, when they come home from hospitals, wherever they come home from, that they have a place to go and that they can bring all. All of who they are into the room. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's it on a fundamental level. I'm really lucky to be at DBHD and to work for the leadership that's in place that supports you know this initiative. You know, up from Commissioner Judy Fitzgerald to the division director. Um, Monica Johnson, who's my direct supervisor, like they all know that I'm here, that, you know, that April and I are here and that we are talking about this. And this is supported all the way from leadership and from, you know, from from state government. Mm -hmm. But we can't do it by ourselves. And it takes everybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what this is about. Well, we're grateful because, you know, community is at the forefront of it. And, you know, the work we've been doing at Silence of Shame is in the community and, and, you know, 
you guys matter. That's why we mm-hmm. do the work that we do. So it's such a, a natural fit. So again, we're grateful to be um, partnering partnering with uh, you guys on this most important organization and movement. The gratitude is ours. I mean, we're, we're really, I mean, we're really happy to, to have willing partners, you know, and that you see um, a state agency, not as the enemy, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? That, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. as a, as a collaborative partner who really wants to do the right thing, That's right. Yeah. you know, and, and, and coming in with a level of transparency saying, listen, we can't do it all. That's we right. need help. Yeah. So we thank you, Shanti Dodds and Silence of Shame. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We, we, we are grateful. All right. Uh, my next question is for Pastor Young. Uh, again, thank you for being a part of it today. This sure, sure. initiative could be from anyone from a church or a mosque or synagogue or, you know, whatever spiritual community that you're a part of. But I know you you are representing your church, the Mosaic Church today. And uh, I would love for you to talk about why this work is important in your opinion and how faith and behavioral health is addressed in your church and spiritual community. Right. Sure. Well, again, glad to be here. Um, faith is a part, well, mental health is a part of our faith practice. It is part of who we are in our human existential reality. We are here, and therefore, because we're here, everything that we bring to our worship, whether it's uh, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, or any other divergent path of the above, it requires that we are allowed to bring all of ourselves. And a lot of times we want to bring our hurt, we want to bring our history, and we want to even bring our hopes for our future, but we don't want to bring our full person in. The Bible says we should love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and all our strength, and the mind part is a part we sometimes want to keep in the closet. And so it, mm. it's a part of a faith practice because it's a part of who we are. It's a part of how we are and, and how we function one with another. And if your mind's not right, your prayers can't be right. That's if right. your mind's not right, your relationships won't be right. If your mind's not right, how you interact with the greater community won't be right. Ooh, so it, it is as important... Preach. As our, as our <laughs> physical health. And so our mind must be a part, number one. Number two, the Bible talks about our mental health thousands of times, literally, in Scripture, and we just don't always recognize it. Like, uh, one of the most powerful Scriptures in text, it says, cast all your anxieties on Him, for He cares for you. Well, if you just extrapolate the word anxiety that is translated from the ancient Greek into modern English, that can include all different forms of mental health practices and proficiency. So it's important that we understand that that is a part of who we are supposed to be as we bring our all before God. As we practice in our local congregation, we do several things. One, we host a very large uh, recovery group that uh, meets twice a week at our church. And we're kind of unusual in that uh, we have developed such a strong relationship with this community that one of their leaders is a trustee of our church, mm. um, and and number two, they have full access to the church. Meaning, um, they have access with keys and codes. They they meet, and, and we don't we don't have other members of leadership in the church. They have complete full access and control. And when they're there, they're in charge of the building. Um, and they've been a part of our faith community now for almost nine years, and it's been very helpful and very functional. And second thing that we do, and we're at, actually this is in process. We are working on creating a mental health support group that functions on not only individual mental health, but group and family therapy, where we're hosting uh, meeting sessions and some forms of worship sessions as well, where, where the focus completely is on mental health. We have several mental health practitioners uh, who are part of the congregation, and they're part of the implementing and writing part of that. And the third most important part, maybe the most direct hands-on, is that we, from the pulpit, 
on a regular basis. I say we, I mean I primarily. We are saying, telling people, you know, it's okay to take medication. It's okay mm-hmm. to see a psychiatrist or psychologist. It's okay to be in therapy. You are no less a follower of Christ. You are no less loved by this community or by God in general because you are seeking help. And in fact, when you seek that type of help, you are more like what God calls us to be because He calls us to seek out His holiness in every possible way we can. So those are just mm-hmm. a few of the things that we're doing. That's amazing. Um, really, really wish that more churches would consider having, you know, some in-house licensed professionals because you guys, uh, as I mentioned earlier, are sometimes the first place where people go in the community. Dr. Uh, Um, said, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. And I just think that kind of speaks to the vision, you know, um, ultimately, you know, the faith-based community has hands that we don't, they have buildings that we don't, they Mm -hmm. have a group of people that, that are, that are broad, they're in the community, they're working in the community, um, and DBHTD, the goal of the project is to say, here are resources, here are supports, here are things that we can offer. You know, um, how can we help you help us? How can we help you help us help the community? Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that when people do come to you, it's not you're going to have to go find a place. But, you mm-hmm. know, I know a place, DBHDD. I know a person, right. Tony Sanchez. I know a location, mm-hmm. you know, addictive recovery centers, you know, um, you know, and just being able to 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 envelop the entire faith-based community so that they have those um, resources to Mm -hmm. be able to refer, to be able to pick up the phone and call, you know, and and give a, you know, a warmed, I don't want to say handoff, but a warm transition. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk with you over here versus you you go get some help, you know. know, And so I think being able to DBHED partnering and then the faith-based community saying, we know, and and we all see each other and Mm -hmm. everyone's helping Mm -hmm. because we all can see one another. I think that really speaks to what we are. And is it fair to say, like, I know um, in many faith communities, the um, congregation, if you will, or the people who practice the faith often look to the church for permission to have certain kind of help. So it's kind of like even even when it comes to their own um, medical practices for maybe something physical like a, a illness like cancer, for example, right? They look to faith first sometimes, mm-hmm. and then that be the permission that says, okay, then I will trust the doctor right? because my faith is in line with me being able to trust this doctor or my faith is in line with me actually needing help or, you know, I've heard prayers where it's like, you know, even regulate my mind, you know, those type of things. So it's kind of like they go to faith first for them to be the first door that gives them permission to go somewhere else without them feeling out of line with their beliefs. Pastor Young, you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I, I think that's accurate. I think um, that many, if not most, people of faith uh, do consult their local pastor or maybe their small group um, in conversation when it comes to various types of health. Because the first thing people seek him more often than not is a listening ear and then maybe prayer. Mm-hmm. And so that that's, that's within itself is not a problem. The problem can come in when that's the place where they stop. I think mm-hmm. that the church is a good starting place, but it can't be the finishing place for mental health. Now, so let's make a, just a quick uh, demarcation between the two. It, it's good, you know, I'm having a rough time with my, my spouse. Or I'm not feeling so well. I'm nervous about this. I'm concerned about this. Let's pray. But if you're saying I'm having hallucinogenic thoughts, or you're saying I'm hearing voices, or you're saying I want to go out and kill myself or hurt my family, those that's a different level of uh, attack, a different level of need. And so, yes, it's okay to pray, but, you know, I'm, I'm kind of just straight from the streets from Miami. If you tell me you're seeing 
hearing voices and seeing things. I may pray with you, but I'm going to pray with one eye open. Mm -hmm, And then mm -hmm. after we pray, we're going to contact whom we need to contact, whether it's a crisis center or psychiatrist or psychologist, or maybe we need to have you escorted to a place of direct, immediate residential care. We're going to not stop with prayer and and say that's enough, because God tells us that we should be as uh, uh, innocent as a dove and as wise as a serpent. So we should have both... uh, Spiritual wisdom, we should have temporal wisdom, too, which means that, you know what, prayer is important. Prayer work. Prayer changes things. But in this case, we must pray, but we also must seek other uh, counsel. To, to further your, your, your statement, if a person came to you and said, no, I've been diagnosed with cancer, we're going to pray about that. Mm-hmm. When is your next visit to your doctor? Mm-hmm. If a person came to you and said, I fell and I broke my arm, oh, praise the Lord, we're going to pray for your, your pain and your recovery. What does the orthopedic surgeon have to say? Have you been to your, your orthopedic person? So it, it, it is erroneous and foolish to think that a person comes in and have evidence of depression or other types of mental health issues and say we're going to pray and we're going to stop. We wouldn't do that in any other case of illness, right. and it's not appropriate to do it in mental health illnesses. Illness. Thank you, Pastor Young. And, and for you, know, mm-hmm. certainly that's, I mean, I sing that story and 100%. so much because my pastor, Dr. Raphael G. Warnock, was like, I'm going to pray with you, but Monday morning, you're calling your doctor. You can text him right now if you need to to get mm-hmm, that appointment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I want was that your experience, Tony, when you were on your road to recovery? To kind of talk us through how faith impacted your recovery. And did you was it a situation where you prayed about it and somebody in your family said, you know, yes, let's pray and let's also figure out a plan of attack um, from a, a, a professional standpoint, you know, with a doctor or what have you, or just share what, what, what were your experiences? So, so I, or is I, this new for you in terms of bringing along faith as a part of recovery? No, not, not, not for me. That's not my experience, right? So, you know, I, I am so grateful for my mother and my aunt and my grandmother and my sister who are praying women. And you talk about praying aunties and yeah, 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 warriors. Yeah, that's right. They prayed for me when I couldn't even pray for myself. Mm. You know, they prayed mm-hmm. for me when, 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 when I was angry with God. Mm-hmm. I always believed in God, but you know, I was really upset and angry mm-hmm. because I blamed God for putting me on this planet. You know, and I like, why, like, why would you put me here to 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 be a drug addict? You know, I mean, like, why would you put me here to do that? You know, um, mm-hmm. and so, and so as I as I um progressed in my recovery, right, one of the things that I learned is that God had me the whole time. 100%. Right. And that and that my experiences, you know, that he allowed me to go through allowed me to do the work that I do now mm-hmm. with passion, with lived experience, mm-hmm. with the knowledge, you know what I'm saying, that I know that we can make it to the other side. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, now I, I'm a member of a church um in Athens, Georgia, Chestnut. Um, Baptist Grove Church under Pastor Lattimore, um, Wilson, um, under Pastor Wilson Lattimore. And he believes in prayer and recovery. He believes, you know, that prayer is powerful, but, you know, you do need to get help. Just like it was shared earlier, you know what I'm saying? Like if you have, um, you have diabetes, if you have any other chronic health condition, yeah, we're going to pray for you, but take your medication, you know, go seek the help that you need to seek, right? When I share, right, I share, I have to talk as the director of the Office of Recovery Transformation, sure. right? However, my experiences got me to where I am at now. Of course. Right? And so um, when I think about my spiritual wellness, right, I think about, um, like, I wouldn't be able to do what I do now if it wasn't for that. Listen, as a, as a man, as a man of color, as a, as, a, as a Puerto Rican man growing up in New York City mm-hmm. in the 80s and the 90s, doing the things that I had to do in order to survive in the neighborhoods that I lived in, you know, it was a, 
I, I needed to have faith in God, even though I was acting out a lot of times in different ways. I, I, I truly believe that God has kept me through it all. Um, you know, one, one of the things that we don't have enough of is the opportunity or the space for men, especially young men, to talk about what it is that they're going through Absolutely. in an honest you know, wait, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times we, we're fronting, we, we, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a lot of it is based on fear. We can't connect to or we can't speak loudly about what it is that we believe in and what's really bothering us because, you know, I mean, it's shown as a, it, it shows as a, as a sign, a sign of we Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and because of that, we suffer, mm -hmm. you know, instead of live, you know, um, in, in our truth. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm going to leave it at that for right now. That's right. That's right. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to ask because you talked about something that actually led me leads me into my next question about sometimes people blame God. Right. Mm -hmm. When they're going through it. Pastor Young, um, some people blame God when they're experiencing mental health challenges and obviously other things in life and tend to cut all spiritual ties. Um, I know a person that's near and dear to me who feels like God failed them and God gave them this disease and, and why can't they why can't they get better and so forth. And so what is the approach in helping a member of your particular faith community or for anyone um, in that matter when they need help and when they have kind of blamed God and they've turned their back and, and not using that spirituality to help them get help, if that makes sense? Yeah, it's a powerful question. It's it's part of the greater question of faith in general. Mm -hmm. um, to to continue our conversation on what everyone's been kind of saying, you know, God has such an amazing capacity. Whether you see God as a universal presence, universal strength, a higher power, whether you call God uh, Allah or Yahim or Jehovah, uh, the, the the presence of love that created and crafted humanity and the universe as we know it. Um, has the capacity to accept a whole lot of stuff. And so virtually any time we make a, a mistake or any time we have a sense of brokenness or any time we have a sense of separation, we, to use the word, blame God. We, we, don't, we don't give God the credit when things go great. We don't give God the glory when things go good. We don't thank God when we get the promotion or get the job or buy the house or fall in love. We don't thank God in ways like, like that. Like that, We don't come running to God in greater numbers when good things happen. Uh, but when the, the, the bad happens, we always blame God. So first and foremost, we have to let people know that God is not bothered, upset, or trying to get you back because you're mad at God. And in fact, being mad at God is actually evidence of a strong faith, because the, the anger that we may feel is really a reflection of the fact that we feel that there should be a presence that protects us or keeps us or holds us from these type of uh, issues and challenges. It's just like the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. So the fact that you're sometimes mad or angry at God means you really do love God, and, and that is a welcoming presence for Him. So God is not upset, number one. Number two, we have to encourage people to, to, to realize that um, there is no con condemnation for those who love Christ. That means when a person comes or says, you know, I've been feeling depressed, or I've been feeling suicidal, or I've been feeling whatever the, the, the condition may be, so I blame God. We can't come back with the, the immediate attack, so why are you blaming God, and yada, 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 yada. We can't do that. We have to say, you know what? God understands that. That's real. God understands that. And then we have to begin to talk to people in a loving way to say that even though we have been mad, God's not mad at us. 
And that, that, that anger, that blame that we may have, um, God doesn't hold it against us. We can bring that and drop it at his feet, too, and he still loves us. And, and, and I think those two first steps allow people to both be real with what they feel, but then also open to heal. And when we get people to that point, that's when they begin to hear the counsel, be able to hear the encouragement, be able to hear the, the guidance to seek other types of help. So the, the biggest thing we have to remember when we deal with a person that says, I blame God, whether it's mental health or any type of thing that the person may blame God for, we have to remind them that even though you blame God, God is not mad at you. That's God right. is not angry with you. And, I, and, that, and because, because sorry, of that, you can come come back in connection. Thank that, that, you. That's it. No, thank you. I was just going to say, and, and that, that's, you know, whatever God you believe in, right? Or the universe or people, you know, tend to blame that higher spiritual being and, and power that you believe in. So, Tony, do you want to add to that? No, I'm in, I'm in total agreement. I know that God <laughs> loves me, right? And, and you know, so, so um, you know, and what I, was, what I was sharing is that, so I wear the hat as director of the, Depart- of the Office of Recovery Transformation. So f- from that platform... I can share my lived experience, right? Mm-hmm. I can share the God that I love and and that I serve. However, this initiative is for everybody. That's right. Right? This is this is, you know, from, you know, one of the things that I know is that God is a God of order, right? I truly believe that from my house, from God, God Jesus, you know, me as the head of as the man of the house, my wife and then and, and the kids, right? And the work that I do, I still have to honor um, you know, the governor, I have to honor the commissioner, the division director and, and, and my colleagues. Right. And so this initiative. Right. I, I also have to be a good steward of the resources that I am responsible for. Mm-hmm. So this initiative is created or the way that I envision it is for everybody. You bring what you know, and, and it's about really having cross perspective dialogue because we don't all see the same mm-hmm. you know things the same way. But 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 if we could if we can have a shared vision, like right? That. You know what I'm saying? If we can look at the community, you know, as as a place of wellness and healing and and an opportunity, a place where I can go have a date on a Saturday night, no matter what my past experiences are. Because mm-hmm. basically we want the same thing. I think that we are doing God's work. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think that 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 it's the right work. So, um, I and and the way that I envision this work is that I don't like bring your perspective, bring your belief. You are welcome to bring who you are, right. you know, and and be honest to your truth. You know what I mean? Like just be, stand on your truth. However, um, let's create a space where we are having actual dialogues and not debates. Does that, does, mm-hmm. does that make Because mm-hmm. there, there is a difference. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we think that we're having... in our con- humanity. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. You know, if we can continue to keep that shared vision as our focal point, as our North Star, I think we'll, we, we can get there. Mm-hmm. And if I could piggyback on yeah, that, please. I think being able to, um, to Tony's and being able to equip, you know, the pastor, the imam, the person who's running the local, you know, uh, I believe in the universe or, you know, whatever they're, they're if we can equip them, mm-hmm. then they can teach and equip their congregations or the groups that they're with to be able to continually support mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. come. Because it may not be a person of your same faith who comes to your organization for support. Mm-hmm. It might be a person um, like we heard in some of the forums where there was a, um, a man who was non-Christian who was speaking with a man who was Muslim. And that man was the man that kind of supported him and helped mm-hmm. him get services and helped him, you know, get what he needed, the support that he needed. So being able to equip the community at large and the, the leaders at large and the trainings, being able to say this is how, um, you know, 
uh, we can support you. This is what information we'd like for you to know. Here's the information that you um, requested, you know, so that you can ha be more knowledgeable about behavioral health, about behavioral health, about the supports out there, about the people. I really do think that 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 lends itself to the outcomes of, you know, being able to have the cross perspective dialogue and being able to not have um, debates, you know, being Absolutely. able to say it doesn't matter where I go, where I land. At the end of the day, if I land here, can I get some type of support? Yes. Can you help me get what I need, no matter where I land? Yeah. yeah. Now, well, can I add one quick thing to that as well? Sure. Um, we have to realize that whereas uh, Dr. Olmstead is completely right, Tony is completely correct, that we have to also be prepared that there are some faith leaders who are not there yet. That mm. there are some faith leaders, if you talk about mental health, they're going to immediately say, you just need to pray harder. And that's why right. we're doing this work. Absolutely. Yep. And so what I'm saying is it's important to make sure that it's out there. But while we're out there, we gotta, we can't, we can't, we can't expect that every person of faith is going to come and say, "Oh yeah, that's welcome, that's wonderful." Mm -hmm. That even those faith leaders may sometimes still be in the dark as to how to best address this. So, as another biblical principle, shake the dust off, move to the next place, and know that God is still in control. You are absolutely right. You know, one of the things that I believe in is that I'll take somebody with me. Like, just because I'm a director of an office doesn't mean that everybody will listen to me. But mm -hmm. if I'm talking to a pastor, if I'm talking to a bishop, I'll take a pastor, a bishop who lines up with, with, mm -hmm. with, with, the, with the vision. Mm -hmm. So you are absolutely right. right. Yeah. And I am so glad that yeah. you are on the call right now. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, that, again, that's why we're important. doing the work to get people to understand how important it is. Again, it, it, it's about, you know... Yes, the faith that you have, right, whatever you believe in, but understanding the importance of just like if you have cancer, you go, you know, see an oncologist. So if you have diabetes, you might need to take your blood pressure medication. Right. So why should it be any different when we have these physical illnesses that, you know, sometimes the faith communities won't understand as it relates to mental health. So we're just out here trying to do the education um, and create these workshops and, and trainings. And, you know, for those of you that listen, because I know we have listeners all across the country, hopefully across the waters, <laughs> across the pond, if you will. But this is an initiative that we're doing right now in the state of Georgia. We've had several workshops. Our next one is coming up on February the 12th in um, Albany, Georgia, and then in March, we're doing like a second round. We're going back to Macon and Augusta, uh, Pastor Young. We're coming back to your town. We actually have a date. The date for the Savannah now is Saturday, uh, March 30th. So we're excited to get that on board. And we're also going to do another run in Atlanta and Athens. But um, I think this is really important work. I'm grateful that the state recognizes the mm -hmm. importance of this type of initiative. Um, and, and I just think, you know, it's so much more that we can do collectively mm -hmm. if we work together as a unit um, within all faiths, right, to, to right. really help people heal. Because it's about, I think for you mentioned it, we're, we're human beings. 100%. And it's about helping the human race heal mind, mm -hmm. body, and soul. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a social justice movement for me. You know what Absolutely. I'm saying? Like, this is what this is Absolutely. about. Like, this is, you know, this transcends all of that. This is about treating people like people you know That's what i'm right. saying like, mm -hmm. this is this is about humanity mm -hmm. you know listen I, I i shared a little bit about how because of my recovery i'm able to do some amazing things mm -hmm. like i get to pick my grandson up from school i get to do help him with his homework i i'm there at his school events his sporting events you, you understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. like families are getting back together i have not been incarcerated in over 17 years mm -hmm. that is amazing
amazing. Yes, it is. And I, yo, when I when I was when I was like, and up, we need more of these stories. And, mm-hmm. and we need more of our men and women to be part of our communities and yes. and, and and take their rightful places mm-hmm. in, the, in their families. That's what and I'm also being able to see for people who are working toward and through recovery that there's another side on the other end yeah. of recovery. That's right. And that's the stigma piece. That's the mm-hmm. stigma reduction by mm-hmm. telling our stories. If so, like if we don't tell our stories, somebody will tell our stories for yep. us, right? And they may not say it the right way, yep. you know. And we need to let people know that recovery is not only possible, but that recovery is real. Mm-hmm. That we can make it mm-hmm. to the other side, no it matter is. what we go through. And I know that different faiths look at mental health differently. We mm-hmm. know that even in you know um, Jamaican culture, not necessarily from a faith perspective, but in Jamaican culture, mental health is looked at very differently Mm -hmm. um, as well as other faiths. And and we're not trying to tell you your beliefs are wrong. We're just trying to give you a different perspective so that we can all understand one from a medical perspective, because we do have, you know, licensed mental health professionals that are part of the work that we do um, and that will be a part of our training. So it's, it's really more from a medical perspective so people can understand, you know, how they need to heal. Dr. April. No, I'm just, you know, just across the board, if you need help, you need help. Yeah. You know, and mm. that if I need support, I need support. It doesn't matter where, what walk of life I come from. Mm-hmm. If I need support, I need support. I mm-hmm. need help. You know, especially if, if I'm saying, asking help me save my life. You That's know, right. if I'm fighting mm-hmm. for my life, I heard, you know, you know, a family member of mine once said, I'm in the fight of my life right now. Mm-hmm. And they were suffering from substance use um, or living with substance use, but they were not thriving at the time. Mm-hmm. And when they went to their, um, their faith leader, their request was not could you pray for me their request was if if something doesn't happen i'm going to die Mm. that was their request and so just to watch that faith organization rally around them and you know there was some you know and it was in the south and there was some old grandmothers who really was like come on get up and they were like we (laughs) they didn't know where they were going (laughs) they knew they were going somewhere because that person was saying if i can't go home tonight that's right Mm -hmm. i can't leave here tonight you know and to see that person today, you know, especially in my life, you know, it's just a little neat to mm-hmm. know the difference. And so being able to have that and see this faith community necessarily, not necessarily knew what to do, mm-hmm. but they figured out, we got to figure out what to do. Does right. anybody in here know what to do? And there was a few people left and right who knew what to do. And they made some phone calls and they got them the support needed. So I think just being able to have the tools and the know-how, where to go, what road to go down mm-hmm. really is, you know, I'm 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 going to help you, yeah. you know, and I think that's the thing. If we frame it that way, versus well, you've got to do these twelve things for Allah or God or um, you know Odin or Jupiter to love you before you get help. That has to stop being the mm-hmm. the narrative. It has to be I'm going to help you yeah. because mm-hmm. that's what I'm, I'm that's what I'm going to do. That's mm-hmm. right. You know? That's right. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate it. Um, Pastor Young, do you have any parting words? Well, just remember that when there are these times, that God really does care for us and does love us, and that there's nothing we can bring to God that God didn't already know we're about to bring. Mm. So just just keep traveling and encouraging Mm. people to keep moving towards him in all things. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, guys. Please continue to make sure that you subscribe. Rate and share. Yes. yes. And comment. And comment. Mm -hmm. And follow us on Instagram at at Silence the Shame on Facebook at Silence TH Shame. You can check out a lot of our videos on YouTube at Silence the Shame TV. Until next time. Peace and love, and make sure you take time, save a life, and silence the shame. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.